Happy New Year, Jojo. Happy New Year. Happy same as last year, yeah. Literally nothing's different here. I know. It's a bit rubbish, isn't it? Sucks. Did you make any New Year's resolutions? It was shite. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have strived to dry January. So because no, every single, I know I'm really no, good at it, aren't I? Yeah. I didn't know how good I was because I've never tried it before. <laughs> um, but every year I can never do dry jam because it's your birthday, it's smack birthday. bang in the middle. So there's no point in doing it for a couple of weeks either side. That's pointless, exactly. isn't it? Yeah. So this year I knew we couldn't do anything because it was just all boo. So I thought, what a great chance. And then because I'd made such a pig of myself over Christmas, I literally started on the 29th, I think, of December. So I've been dry for like literally days. <laughs> days. <laughs> And honestly, I feel good for it. Feel feel loads better. So I'm hoping that going forward, it's not so much a New Year's resolution, but maybe I'll drink less. Cannot relate to you in any way, shape, or form. Right now. Um, are you gonna just plan to drink more? Just say I keep it consistent, consistently <laughs> damp. <laughs> Moist January. <laughs> I did have a dry day yesterday. Just the one. Wow. <laughs> and it was the day after your birthday. We were just hung over. Did think I should drink on fewer days, have more days off, um, and also start to eat a bit better. Being like at the age of 38, I should be able to start looking after myself a little bit. It's just too easy, I think, in the lockdown to just go, oh, just, I'm sick and I can't go anywhere or do anything. I'll just have a glass of wine or I'll have a bag of crisps. Yeah, <laughs> get it. Um, how's it going with the little one in lockdown? He has a lot of questions. <laughs> a lot of questions. <laughs> we walked down to get some uh, takeaway food from the brunch place for my birthday on Saturday, and literally the whole way down was like, what's five? times five what's 20 plus 10 what is 10 plus 2 plus 3 and I was like answering answering and then at some point I just started to go mm-hmm mm-hmm said mummy you're getting the answer wrong <laughs> it was a long walk it was like half an hour and we were stood in the queue and I, everyone was like laughing oh it's so cute it's so cute and then he did what's 12 times 12 and I was stood outside and I went 10 times 10 is 100 2 times 2 is 4 and I said 104 and then I was just stuck going and I went hang on a minute well 12 times 10 is 120 exactly what I then did yeah so eventually I got to 144 but it took me about 3 goals and I was in a queue and I was embarrassed I bet they added some money onto your bill when they heard how you couldn't count yeah. <laughs> um, about Harrison a, a money pig no money bank piggy bank <laughs> yeah but it's an owl so it's a good money owl it's a piggy owl. It's a piggy. Right, okay. For Christmas. Right. Thinking, oh, this will be cute because he only ever sees you buying stuff. Beep, beep, beep with your card and teaching the value of money. Effects, yeah. <laughs> so I got him a, not piggy owl, an owl bag. <laughs> a little owl with a hole in it. Money head. box. A money, money box, box the word you're looking for. In the shape of an owl. And I said to him, right, when you get some pennies, you can put them in your owl, and when you filled it up, we'll go to the shop and you can buy your toy. You wanted him to start to understand mm. the concept of the value of money. Nobody has cash lying around the house. It's what, middle of January now, and since Christmas, or so three and a half weeks, I've managed to find a pound coin, a five pence, and a one pence. And like, he's constantly like, Mummy, can I have some more money for my owl? Like, literally. Except oh, <laughs> <say> Monzo. <laughs> Did it say 18 to fill his owl? Who wants cash for a piggy bank? Well, or the owl? only way I get cash nowadays is if I go shopping for like the parents-in-law and they'll go, oh, can you get me, I don't know, like some toilet rolls and a couple of things of bread? And then they count out all the money. Which is obviously oh, and then you just, just get them the cheap ones and pocket it. And then it starts to accumulate because obviously they're self-isolating. And like all of a sudden I have like 20 quid in pound coins. Oh, Harrison would be so jealous. I can change if you put some money in my bank. Oh, it's a little racket this. I could do this, couldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> money laundering. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you know, it's almost like the money bank. Money box. <laughs> Why do we just keep saying? Why can I look at the word? Piggy right? bank. Piggy bank money box but an owl. is obsolete. I know. Isn't that sad? Yeah, but not really. Because I've been thinking about it for the last two minutes. <laughs> since, <laughs> since I raised the topic. Since you raised the topic. <laughs> um, and my point is, why not get him just a little mini kid's bank account so you can see the money going in? Don't like it. And then he can, he can have his own little card and he can be his don't own Don't like card. it. Because the future is he'll not have cash. Well, I know, but he just needs to learn. I just, I'm very averse to it. And you're right. In future, like, literally, there's no point in learning about cash. But I think there's something about him putting money away into his owl box. Sounds <laughs> painful. <laughs> I just think there's something about physically putting it away and then when it's full, going to the shop and buying a toy and seeing that effort. But we were walking down the street the other day and he was going, where do you think the dinosaurs are? Do you think there's a T-Rex hiding on the corner? Do you think there's a pterodactyl in the tree? And I was going, oh, I don't know, baby. And pretending to look and he went, I'll just get my phone out and check. <laughs> Just stood like that, literally just stood with his little mittens, with his little dinosaurs on the back, like with his imaginary phone, like looking to see his the imaginary dinosaurs. Google. And I was like, oh, I don't Aww. like it, your phone. Honestly, it does protect it. And I think I've said this before. Then I see in school that they're all there doing stuff on the board, mm. swiping, and he doesn't know how to do it because I don't let him play on them. Like I don't just try and protect him from technology. And I know mm. it's not helping him, but I don't like it. When we were kids and we had like a post office or something, or like a little supermarket, now they've all got like self scans with them. Like cards and Monopoly has like a bank, like a bank card. Now you get a card. Shut Monopoly. Up. I'm not lying. Shut up. No, Although I did lying. see a mocked up board game for COVID, which instead of Monopoly in the middle was Monotony. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just going to the bank every now and again to get cash for the money box. <laughs> Tell you what, I've read a lot of pensions news recently, Jojo. Oh, right. So is this um, what you're doing over Christmas, reading about pensions? How So, interesting thing number one is um, the early start investing, the dramatically lower you need to invest each month because of the effects of compound interest. So I saw this study, which is if you were trying to invest for pension income of £5,000 a year from age 65, if you were 25 when you started, you would have to put in £269 a month. a month, yeah. But if you were fifty-five when you started, do you want to guess how much more? Um, Nine hundred forty-seven a month. Wow. Um, so even from twenty-five to thirty-five, it'd be two hundred sixty-nine a month at twenty-five, or three hundred forty-nine a month from thirty-five. So nearly an extra hundred pound a month. Um, so this was research from Legal in General, and it was demonstrating the point: the longer you put off saving, the more expensive it gets. So even if you're thinking, "I'm in my twenties, why am I thinking about a pension?" Firstly, that's the reason why, which just got me thinking about pensions generally and the fact that young people in particular, probably, it, it just sounds like something to think about at a later stage mm -hmm. and I don't think it is. Um, so another thing that I then came across was there's a table and it's all the developed countries in the world and it's what percentage of their country's average wage do people receive as a state pension? So if your country's average wage was 50 grand and... Your country paid out on average fifty percent. Um, it'd be twenty five grand. Of ours. Um, so our state pension is nine thousand one hundred a year, and that's your full state pension. So you that's have to have like forty years national insurance contributions to get that. If you yeah. haven't been building that up, that's yeah. that's like the maximum, isn't you it? You have to work all that time or have the equivalent. And our average wages, I think, are early thirty grand, which is why I think maybe thirty percent. 
Oh, 29%. However, the reason it's news is the UK has the worst state pension of any country in the developed world. So the UK does 29% on average, and it is literally the bottom of this table of all the developed countries. Netherlands is 100% in your state pension. Um, Even halfway down, Canada, 50%. We're literally behind Mexico in terms of your state pension. So yeah, literally out of all of the developed countries in the world, you get the least state pension, which is why building up your own pension is so absolutely essential. Why are the Netherlands so good at things? They have (laughs) such a low crime rate as well. They have low abortion rates, people use as an example of why it's good to have legalised sex workers and things. But they just seem to have their head switched on. Um, I can't speak for Netherlands. <laughs> why not? Why do you think we have the lowest? Well, it can only be cost, can it? It's the cost to the government of providing. Mm-hmm. It's a state benefit, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And in theory... They should have the money to do it because they've been taking our national insurance contributions all of these years to do it. In reality, we know it all just goes into one big messy pot. And as soon as they need to spend some money elsewhere, which they're definitely going to have to do post-COVID, they look at where else they can scrimp and cut back a little bit and state pensions are... They already started measures on that with changes to the state pension and pushing back the age that you could take it and that was all around um, there not being enough to sustain people because they were living longer so are we thinking people in the Netherlands only live to 62? (laughs) No I'm thinking the government have packed it in rather than just being reactive every five days like our government is and they've also so they've reduced um, sorry they've moved back the age at which a state pension can be paid and they've also been capping the increases Mm -hmm. so We've talked about inflation before and obviously your salary needs to go up every year to keep it up with um, general expenditure. And it's the same with state pension, it needs to go up each year and they've put caps on that as well. Yeah. Um, and I just think, I have no idea what it's like in other countries, but pensions, private and state, are very much a political tool. They're a thing mm-hmm. to kind of chuck about during campaigns, you know, to try and get the popular vote. And I think that's kind of part of the problem. But I think I got used to the fact that you don't get a huge state pension yeah. and thought that was the default. I was amazed to see that it's yeah. so low compared to other it'd countries. It'd be interesting to see people, if they thought right now you could live on £9,000 a year. That's exactly the thing. Well, And I think even without knowing the 9000 a year, I think people think... I'll get a state pension, like yeah. I'll get a pension. So if I build up a little bit, myself personally, great. I'll spend like, that exactly on whatever. That. Yeah, could you live on £9,000 right exactly. a year? Even if you'd paid off your mortgage and you were sat right now, mm. so what, £800 a month for everything? Yeah, and bearing in mind that in a post-COVID world, inflation will, I think, get a lot higher. Mm-hmm. The cost of living will become a lot higher, which means your money will not go as far. The other is that, and I've said this for a long time, and I think even more so post-COVID, is that the state pension isn't guaranteed. People will not automatically guarantee it. Yeah, even that 29% mightn't be available. It mightn't be. And the fact that the government are forcing people into auto-enrolment to encourage people to save privately is almost a way of them saying that that might be your only option at retirement yeah, yeah, by the true. time we get yeah. to that point at least you've got yeah, some like, sort of pension giving you a heads up giving you a heads up yeah <laughs> giving you a little head start but your private pension essentially all it is it's a savings pot it's a savings pot that you can't access so just like if you put money into an ISA or into a bank account something that you understand you're doing that but you're putting it into an environment that you can't touch until at least 55 now soon to be 57 so it is your money. So actually, no matter what they do in future, that is yours and you've put that away and you're taking ownership for yourself and your future financial security. And right now, because the state pension so low, you do get tax relief, you get money back as a way of encouraging you to put money into your pension. And I think because we don't know what will happen in future, 
We don't know what future governments will do, how they'll play with pensions. Really, people should be making the most of the opportunity right now to put money in and get money for free. So if you put £80 into a pension and it's your employment pension, typically the government will put in £20 and your employer will match it and put in £100. So for every £80 you put in, you get £200 into a pension. Who doesn't want free cash? Mm -hmm. It's the same concept as the help to buy ISA um, and the lifetime ISA that they brought out. And when people did that and realised that they could put so much money in a year and the government would give them a free £1,000, everybody was all over it. It was like, oh, wow, I'll get a free £1,000 from the the government. Because they could link that to a house and it felt felt sooner so they could go at it. And it's the exact same concept. And there was good information around it. There was a lot of people talking about it and it was a very good marketing campaign around Mm -hmm. it and kind of just fly under the radar but it's exactly the same concept that concept of just understanding it's just a savings account the Mm -hmm. the difference is that you can't access it but that they will reward you to put money into it as a way of encouraging you to do it i think people maybe aren't as aware of it's not just a savings account either it's a tax-free savings account so it's Mm -hmm. like an asset in the sense that it's better than a bank account um it has the potential for growth as well um yeah i think that's the the difference isn't it so while pensions might seem you know the the word pension people associate as being a bit boring actually it's not boring it's steady you've got the ability to invest in exactly the same way those tiktok stars stars weirdos (laughs) inappropriate dangerous imposters (laughs) (laughs) I want to call them stars. Almost the creator buzz, don't they? The creator buzz of, look, you can do this too. You don't have to do a nine to five job. Like all of that's nonsense. But actually that buzz and excitement that's there. Then you think pension and you think that's boring. But it isn't. It's the same thing, except one's unregulated, chaotic, messy, and will probably leave you completely skinned. And the other one's a chance to do exactly that, to have control over your future and decide when you retire. And where the tangent to invest in stocks? You can invest in those stocks in your pensions. I feel like there was a middle ground between <laughs> stars and dangerous no, I think, um, I think it's absolutely disgusting. Um, what I find things really interesting, and especially now, I guess, when people have got time on their hands, um, a lot of the big companies who you might have your pension with, Standard Life, Scottish Widows, Aviva, they are indeed but a lot of the main ones will have online access to allow yes. you to see what your fund is yeah what they will also allow you to do is play about with how much if i put 50 quid a month in how much will yeah. that get me retirement if i double that how much will that look like what about if i change the investment it lets you play about with it a bit to see actually what an impact that could make can i say as well actually even if you don't already have a pension and have online access so if you go to www.nvidian.co.uk which is I-N-V-I-D-I-O-N it's basically an online calculator with lots of different things and you can do the same thing so you can just put in an amount that you would invest each month and pick what you would like to aim for as a growth rate like 4% here, 5% here for example and it does exactly that it'll show what it would be worth at your chosen end date as a monetary lump sum and also what you could get from it as an income and I think you're right exactly that almost just being able to sit and play around with these figures and seeing the impact and seeing the difference of 50 quid a month 80 quid a month um, can be kind of that inspiration that people need to really see how it can work for them. This podcast is sponsored by The Art of Finance. We'll make learning the world of finance interesting, modern and fun. And, you know, what's £80? You spend more than that on Costa in a week. <laughs> Did I tell you I was in the top 4% of customers last year? 
Yeah. I don't know if I should be proud of that. To be fair, it was... <laughs> I don't know why I'm trying to justify it. It was pretty much all I spent because you couldn't spend anything in 2020. I couldn't go anywhere, so I just needed coffee to fuel me through lockdown. This podcast was built on Costa. I mean, Costa, if you're listening. This podcast was built on Costa. And it can fall by it, too. She said ominously. Which reminds me, do you want to... Costa. (laughs) Yeah, now that you're talking about it. So, two things I thought were interesting about Monzo. um, My review of last year's spending is... One was that my top spots for eating out were buying a long shop Costa coffee. I don't know if it's because we're locked down because I feel like, if anything, I'll have gone less because I didn't come to the office as much and I always go on the way to the office. Mm. So I think I'd have been in the top 2% of its And because the year you before. were coming in later, we often like already had the coffees. Yeah, exactly, yeah, so yeah. It's, if it was just you yeah, going, wasn't it, it would just be me, times yeah. for that because we take turns. Um, so how much does it tell you how much? Or is it just, it just says I was there 58 times. <laughs> That's more than once a week. It is, Joe. Good maths, good maths. <laughs> what I did think was interesting... So I'm not, we've always talked about this, I'm not a big spender. I don't particularly enjoy what, like shopping. Bassett? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have the feather boa? <laughs> um, I don't enjoy shopping. I don't get any pleasure from it at the best of times. And certainly not online. I just, mm. it's not a, it's such a admin thing to do. So despite lockdown and how little you could get out, last year I used my card 486 times in person and only 30 times online. Wow. In the whole of 2020. And I've seen others where the in-person's just gone, whoop, and the online yeah. has gone, whoop. It's like people were continuing yeah. to spend. They just had to do it in a different format, yeah. whereas mine I was suggest... online's level, and then my in-person is just yeah. lockdown, not lockdown, lockdown, yeah, not lockdown. Yeah, you can see that. Interestingly, I think if I had something like that, it would literally show Amazon. I think I order from Amazon daily. <gasps> Honestly, there's always something I need to get. Need. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> they are always like little... If I went through my buying history, honestly feel like there's something every day. Let's have a look on your orders. Lakers hoodie, three cookbooks, yoga mat, some tweezers, some men's heavy duty... New Year's resolutions. <laughs> some men's heavy duty braces. That was for Michael's dad. Electronic kitchen scales, Kindle Unlimited, Michael Jackson's bad, on vinyl, needed it. Hair oil, hair curl curling stuff tortoise heat lamp extension cable a book <laughs> somebody's husband somebody's son the true life story of the Yorkshire Ripper classic retro vintage telephone new again fi- all the stuff that you need new where fire. have you put a vintage telephone it's a landline um, for the house who you don't use a landline I don't know why I don't know why I've got a but landline but you need it but you needed a vintage telephone for a landline that you don't know what's your landline number 01388 oh my god you actually have a landline does it yeah. ring has it ever no, rung no I turned the ringer off <laughs> fruit ball shoe box um, <laughs> small binoculars um, AAA batteries bomb cosmetics um, now we're getting into the Christmas presents I presume Came that was t-shirt. bomb cosmetics it sounded a little bit like bomb cosmetics wow uh, iPhone fast charger I'm mildly alarmed it's it's shite it's all shite you could have bought none of that stuff and it would have made no difference in your life and look how much apart you from me hair would have been even frizzier right okay so one of those things might have actually been essential look at my eyebrows I needed the tweezers you didn't already have tweezers I lost them in lockdown yeah I, I don't know what happened to them sure I feel like you do need a monsoon I feel like you need to get a handle on it that's a lot of shit <laughs> three weeks <laughs> three weeks yeah sure 
I feel like you're looking at us like this is an intervention, but I didn't know that it was a problem. Well, um, <laughs> that's normally what happens. That's why interventions are needed. <laughs> uh, the last one up to the Bomb Cosmetics was delivered the 6th of December, so it's like two months. And I've got it on buy it now, so I don't even have to like put in my details and literally in. press a button and it just it's at my door. That oh, you are their ideal client. I know. Oh, Amazon, if you're listening. More of a costa. Feel like sorry, but um, you've literally done more online shopping on Amazon in the last month than I've done all online shopping, all websites in the whole of twenty twenty. I've done thirty transactions the whole of last year. Yeah, but I have a full family of people, so that's like if you divide it by four. Ooh, all right, Joe, could be deep. <laughs> What I'm saying is I didn't buy men's 5mm wide heavy-duty braces for myself. <laughs> did I? Much. And I have a tortoise. You didn't have anything for tortoises on I there. I didn't have anything for tortoise. And you're telling me that I didn't need that statue of Mary Poppins. Is it for your car? No. What is it for? For my house, isn't it? For my shed. One of the interesting things that I read in The Guardian interesting. the day, yeah, it was talking about how the COVID crisis affected your finances in 2020, um, and there was a lot of um, interesting Didn't really stats. Jobs, did they? they did. That's why I was stuck in the house and I had to order through... Um, I had to order Mary Poppins. <laughs> I had to order Mary Poppins. So I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions okay. and see if you can guess how COVID affected finances over the course of 2020. So, shares sank with a FTSE 100 down how much percent this last year? What, by the end of the year? Mm-hmm. 16%. 14%. Very close. Should I tell you how I guessed 16%? Mm-hmm. Because I knew back in end of March, early April, it massively tanked. Like, it went from over 7,000 to like four and a half, I think. It was huge. But over the summer, it did start to come back. And there's some stocks in particular that have just absolutely flown. And there's some businesses that have done really well. We've mentioned Amazon. That kind of company has absolutely flourished under lockdown. And like your Deliveroo's and your Netflix and everything that kind of worked for them. So even though the markets were quite volatile I knew that it massively tanked but then kind of crept back up over the year so actually 14% down given the year that we had isn't that bad really it isn't and it's interesting that you should say that actually because one of the questions I was going to ask you is what company do you think did the best financially out of lockdown and um, but was this in the FTSE in the FTSE because I was going to say all those that I mentioned it, are actually American companies yeah so the, FTSE the FTSE 250 sorry hmm Here's a clue. Its sales in the six months to September leapt by 53% due to online shopping. Hello, Fresh? No, but not close. <laughs> um, is it like one of the delivery services, like Yordle or something? Or it's Hermes? not a delivery service, but they do do deliveries. Um, it's Think Bigger. Like if My you... local Chinese takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually AOR.com. I don't know what they are. They oh, the like electricals. And, yeah, ah, and all like of that. Actually, yeah, people yeah, are stuck in the house, that. aren't they? Yeah. What do you think was the best and worst funds of the year? Um, or even if you can just... I bet you can name the fund manager for the worst. <laughs> Woodford. 
Yay, Woodford's are the worst. It dribbled into 2020, it says. It lost 61% of its value. Dribbled into 2020, what a term. You don't have to give the name, maybe just the sector. What do you think would be the best um, sector? Um, I read about one I'd never heard of before that had done phenomenally, and it was invested in lots of small companies. So the answer is Bailey Gifford American did 109%. Oh. Those ones again, isn't it? Like your Teslas went up like 300%. They went up absolutely obscene amounts. Your Netflixes, your Amazon. And um, but I think before people go, ooh, 100%, I'll pile into that. There is a lot of talk around how hyperinflated these are. Like in reality, from January to December last year, the physical, the tangible value of Tesla didn't triple. The stock's tripled, but the value of it didn't. So it's overpriced, which means it has to come back down. And I was reading that there's almost, it can be a bubble which pops and everything just crashes, or that bubble can deflate, in which case it's a bit like the dribble, it just kind of goes. But either way, there'll be a correction. Like actually, that that storming ahead on the American shares and the big ones is absolutely not sustainable. So please don't go piling in thinking that's where you want to be. Um, yeah. So actually, extremely accurate there because the Bailey Gifford American Fund invests in Shopify, Amazon. You know, my favourite and Tesla. So actually, really, really um, accurate there. Good point. Well Thanks. made. Thanks. What did the prices in the shops rise by? So discounting on food, non-alcoholic drinks, and clothing help pull down the annual rate of inflation to so one point six, not point three. What? What the year? Yeah, and petrol's gone down as well. It's terrible because actually inflation's supposed to be around 2%, so 0.3 is bad. It's bad for the economy. <laughs> if inflation's only at 0.3%, the target is 2%, so you don't want spiralling inflation, but you don't want it too low because it means people aren't spending, which means companies will suffer. So then what would normally happen is the government would put money in or reduce interest rates to encourage people to spend to get it back up to 2%, but they can't really do that because they've already pumped in all the money, they're already up to their eyeballs in debt, and you can't get rates any lower than the 0.1 that they're at. So, yeah, 2% is your magic number for inflation. Too much over, it's a problem. Too much under, it's a problem. Not 0.3 is not great. But not that surprising, given last year, because yeah. as you say, like, A, there was very little shopping, and B, when there was, there were... I was saying to you about the discounts, like, when I went out just before mm-hmm. Christmas and bought some Christmas presents, and I picked up a T-shirt that was 30 quid, and when I got to the till, it was £3.50. <laughs> just were literally, like, giving stuff away. They were absolutely desperate to shift stock. And they're hoping that there's still this like massively pent-up demand. Mm. So even if inflation and spending stays really low the first half of this year, the second half of it, when things flip in eventually or up and up, it won't just be like a gradual, oh, we'll go back to normal shopping. People will just go bah, 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 and absolutely like, make up for the last sort of year or so. It's a, the bigger picture of it's the way to live life, isn't it? You need to, there's no point putting everything away for the future. What if you don't get the future? Like you mm-hmm. need to live today as well, but not enjoy living today so much that you struggle in future. Like absolutely yeah, needs to be a balance. balance. But I think when you have got disposable income and a lot of people have saved more than they ever have over the last year because of being unable to spend. And if you're thinking, like, actually, as soon as I can, I'll spend that. And it might be on holidays or going out and having experiences and living. You can do so safe in the knowledge that you'll be helping the economy. That's what I intend to do. So contactless became the new normal this year with 56% of all debit card payments now tap and go, which is fair enough. I'm surprised only 56, to be honest. I know. So UK cash machine withdrawals fell by how much during the first lockdown? 80%. 60%. 
60%. Who's going and getting cash out? Where are you spending it? Cash now accounts for only 20 to 25% of all transactions. So it seems to me that there's still people taking out cash, but actually only 20 to 25% of transactions are. I suppose cash. there's some goods and services that you can only pay for with cash. 25% of transactions <laughs> are now cash. How much do you think was paid by cash at the start of the century? Now, I know how you struggle with this. Oh so 2000. God. Right, 25% is now in cash. So if you got How 20, much was yeah. cash in 2000? 25 people out of 100 mm. are going into the supermarket and paying with cash. Mm. How many do you think of the 100 people <laughs> were going into the supermarket and paying by cash in the year 2000? 90. 75%. <sighs> Just over-reg the use of debit cards, don't I? was surprised yeah. that it was only 50% is contactless now. Surprised there's 60% taking cash out. And I'm surprised it wasn't pretty much all cash yeah. in 20... 21 years ago, yeah, 2000, Giorgio, 21 well years ago. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting step because it brings us back to what we were talking about before, about your stupid owl thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a stupid owl thing because we don't know what to call it. It's not the owl's fault. It's not Harrison's fault. So what you need to do is either start pushing that number up and getting cash out or, you know, think of a different option. Yeah, but you can I only think... get notes out the machine. We're not giving him 20 quid for his owl. No, get some... So go... <laughs> this... I feel like I'm explaining this to Michael's dad. You go to the cash machine. Yes. Get £20 out. You go yep. to Hatch and buy your coffee that you're buying anyway. Right. Put some change in the, in the owl thing. It's how you do it. How... <laughs> what do owls say? Do it, do it, do it. Ooh, ooh, we'll do it. Ooh, we'll put the money in me. I'm so lonely. I'm a lonely owl. Ooh. <laughs> Um, so this episode's interview is with Lee Robertson of Octo Members. Um, Lee used to be an advisor, so he knows the industry inside out, but now he has Octo Members, which is an app for the advice community. I'm Lee Robertson, I'm the Chief Executive of Octo Members. Octo Members is the kind of result of, of a itch that I wanted to scratch. You know, there's so much content out there, and we're drowning in it, plus ads and pop-ups, and you've got 100 different websites, and if you're really interested, you're on everyone's mailing list. So what I wanted was a kind of steady stream of really good quality, aggregated, curated, and some created content that people could dip in and out of, personalise. But it was free of journalists, free of regulators, free of pop-ups, free of ads, free of bad behaviour behaviour particularly um, and that's kind of where we're at doing pretty well over two and a half thousand members already in about a year and a half or so is it just available to people within finance or can you access it from outside of finance we've, we've kept the public out deliberately we didn't want any confusion about financial offers and that kind of stuff and we nor did we want to be regulated actually to be fair uh, not that yeah. we're doing anything wrong but i think we always thought people should be able to have an open discussion and debate within that environment without people journalists taking bits that perhaps they didn't want to go outside 60 5%-ish is what we'd call client-facing, you know, power planner, financial planner, wealth manager, discretionary manager. The rest are people that are involved in our ecosystem, marketing people, compliance people, fintech, regtech, that kind of stuff, platforms. We talk about the fact that people might think because you work in finance, you know what you're doing. And actually, John, I definitely don't know what we're doing. 
make mistakes Got fairly regularly. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would you say, looking back on your whole entire life, what's been your biggest financial mistake or the one thing that you would do differently in terms of finance? I'd put more money aside, I think. Uh, and I think it's really tough. You know, when, when you're young, you know, rents are expensive, mortgages are expensive, and I'm old enough to remember 16, 17% mortgage rates. So you couldn't put anything aside, yeah. you know, and you barely ate. My wife was doing overtime and at the hospital and all that kind of stuff. So being able to put more aside earlier, probably. So we also talk about finance as a community and how we mm. can improve its reputation and the fact that people don't think finance is that exciting a place to work. And now it's the new year, now it's 2021. What do you think we could do collectively as financial services to improve the perception of us outside of the industry this is like the eternal question isn't it because having been an advisor for 30 years you have no brand name you have no big marketing spend you have no real budget but your clients adore you and they refer their friends to you and their family to you so at at a kind of at the mini level you're really well respected and regarded and treated often as as a close friend sometimes almost part of the family and and this sounds a bit trite but you know you you go to the weddings the bar mitzvahs and sadly the funerals and all the stuff the pastoral bit that those outside our sector don't quite understand what we get up to how do we make it better i think we also have to remember that we're a very young profession Doctors and lawyers and, and other people like that, you know, they were putting leeches on and making people smoke <laughs> cigarettes to, to get rid of their morning cough and stuff like that for, for decades and sometimes centuries. Financial planning or financial service is really quite a young profession. And it's even younger because I joined when advice, for want of a better word, was really part of distribution. You were paid a commission to sell a product. And we wrestled control away and platforms helped a lot. So our profession is even younger. So we've got a relatively short period in which to build a reputation. We also haven't been able to build our profession free of scrutiny. The doctors and lawyers and others, when they started their professions there was virtually no scrutiny you know they were hacking off legs and and, you know all that stuff you would know anesthetic you know it's it's a bad example i know i'll get to the point (laughs) so so i think i think we've done a massive amount of distance in a really short period of time the other thing which is my big bugbear is sometimes i think we just shoot ourselves in the foot if i look at some of the behavior on social media and look at some of the behavior below the line on the trade websites bearing in mind that lots of our clients potential clients will see it i don't know looking in i'd sometimes think god almighty that's appalling you never see the other professions doing it absolutely you just never see it it's not everybody it's very specifically a minority of people but it's the same minority it's and the consistently sat minority, there being annoying yeah. and unfortunately it's the stuff that gets your attention like, but ultimately it's a small minority and we always talk about the fact that the bad news makes the headlines the it bad is, comments get you know, the attention I think it was really interesting when you were talking before about kind of the older professions the doctors the lawyers and things and I was thinking shipmen for example, yeah, Dr. Shipman is a really, really bad example of how doctoring can go wrong. But yeah, people go, what a bad man. They don't say, what a bad profession. Whenever it happens to us and there's Woodford or whatever happens, the they go, profession. what a horrible profession. Services, it's awful. Dodgy. And it's weird that we all kind of get lumped together. I think there is this thing of social media begins to serve you what it thinks you're interested in. Yeah. So if you look at bad comments, you get more bad comments. And if I go back 30 years, how hard I had to work 
work to build a public profile as, as a professional. Um, now, you might argue, well, still nobody knew you, but you know, I, I did, <laughs> oh, I did national TV and I did all that stuff, but it took a, a lot of effort, a huge amount of work. But now, with social media, everyone's got a platform. Mm-hmm. So everybody can shout. And if you want to get attention, just be a dick, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. basically. Coming back to your point, I, I think you're absolutely right. Someone like Shipman, the whole profession doesn't get tarnished because I think they move on it quickly. Now, you could argue Shipman got away with it for years, but once it was spotted, they move really quickly. Whereas we have this thing that, you know, it's almost like the damage has all been done and then Mm. the regulator swings or creaks into action. And also financial services is seen as quite homogenous. So I think the public don't quite understand that I wasn't the same as a private banker, wasn't the same as Mm an investment manager, wasn't the same as a power planner. But to the public, it's all financial services. Yeah. Yeah, it is. What can we be doing to improve our image using social media or any platform? I think the good stories, and the trouble is good stories don't sell. I think yeah. financial publishers have got a hard job. You know, they, they need headlines. Print is under pressure. Their model is based on getting clicks to their website and all that kind of stuff. So they need a bit of they need a bit of aggro, I suppose. I think we've got to keep talking up the good stuff because good financial planning, supported by all the others, you know, power planning, investment management, whatever, has a profoundly good effect when it's done well. The other slight problem, I think, and I don't think this is the profession's fault, is it's become so expensive to deliver because cost of regulation never ceases. Yeah. You know, and, and just back just before Christmas, the regulator came out with their report talking about ongoing fees and all that kind of stuff, saying, does everyone need ongoing advice? Well, it's not that long ago. The regulator was saying you had to give ongoing advice virtually. You had to do annual reviews and you had to give value for money. And now, now they've done this other thing saying, yeah, but does everybody actually need it? But I wouldn't <laughs> want to roll back time. I think it is great that there's more diversity of of opinion out there. Back in the days, it was only those of us who really took the effort to get to know the journalists that got a voice. Now, that's not right either. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure we were that good at letting other people in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think it's quite limited in mm, the journalists. Yeah. I still see the same fit. Pick and I'm not saying that it's not us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's the same Absolutely, people yeah. all the time doing the same op-eds. People. Whereas now anybody with a keyboard or a smartphone has got the ability to reach. And once it's up, it's up. It's like um, the reverse. How they tell you to run their business is what yeah. I don't like. Or them. if you talk about Sharkovers. Like that, isn't oh, it? Oh, gosh. Oh, we yeah. got there, have we? Goes off, <laughs> yeah. Just goes. I mean, it was coming. Kind of, who right. do you have? I've got two. I've got a Henry. Oh, nice. Uh, you can't slag off anyone. You can't slag off a Henry. Well, only, only because I've like got, he's I bought getting a... around to tell us he isn't got a shark. But no, I bought on. a fixer upper. And, and of course, all these modern Hoovers just can't deal with proper builders' stuff. Mm-hmm. So I bought a Henry, mm-hmm. I don't know, 20 years ago, and he's still going strong. Oh, I thought I thought I had a tantrum, tantrum with him the other week. He just oh. he kept tripping over his own cable oh. and falling oh, over. And it was like, and it was just like, for Christ's sake, Henry. You just Come stand on, still. And it's like this inan- inanimate object that's been in the house for 20 years. I was in a tantrum with it. And then the other thing is I've got a kind of shark looky likey. <gasps> oh, even worse. Pseudo just have shark. a Dyson. A pseudo- Nobody wants yeah. a pseudo shark. Oh, listen, I went through the whole Dyson stuff. Plastic. Oh, oh. they fall apart. They crack. They break. Yeah. They I have a pseudo shark. The fan or whatever it was. We never never lose suction. Yeah, 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 yeah. So That's the real industry we need to take down. I'm sorry that I brought in sharks. Right, we've got Quick fire round. Wine or beer? Quick fire. Oh, wine, <laughs> wine or beer. I thought you said wine or beer. Um, oh, wine or beer sounds wine good. Or, well, why not both? No, wine or beer. Wine then, probably. What kind of wine, red or white? 
Oh, red Malbec. Oh, I like Malbec. It's just the season for it, isn't it? Tis yeah. the season, Tis the season Malbec. Tea or coffee? Coffee in the morning, tea in the afternoon. Same. Uh, when you make tea, <laughs> milk first or not? Uh, no, milk later. Oh, oh, wrong. I'm a fairly recent convert <laughs> to tea, only the last couple of years. Pension or ISA? ISA, ISA, then pension. Oh. Spot the ex-wealth manager. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember Peps. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. This is my you. pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Lee Robertson from Octo Members. Thank you very much for another great episode. Oh, you're Kathy welcome. <laughs> Uh, thank you to the guys at Second Draft. Thank you to everybody in marketing who helps put the podcast together and our sponsors, The Art of Finance. Can I just please ask if you've got a minute to rate, review and subscribe. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at hello at thatmintpodcast.co.uk or hit us up on Twitter at thatmintpodcast. Thanks very much. And thank you to Amazon and to Costa for fueling these episodes. Feel free to send us free things. I should have probably had all of this prepared, shouldn't I? It would have been a bit slicker. Run all the stats that were reasonable.